Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 105 of DM Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my good buddy, Dev Baumhofer. How are you doing tonight, Ben? I am actually doing pretty good, Ryan. It is uh, a pleasure to talk to you. I am super excited. And uh, in kind of a, uh, a, a, a let's just go get it done attitude, just, you know, raring to go and just good. pumped. Good, because there's a lot we need to talk about tonight. Oh, in that case, never mind. I'm. Oh, yeah. OK, I guess we'll do this now. So, oh, OK, <laughs> OK. Oh, man, we've got a, we've got a lot. Um, we've got a lot of news that was dropped in the last like week or two. So uh, we'll we'll get right down to it because we're we're going to talk through that. Some big announcements. Uh, we're going to talk about dragons tonight, yeah. uh, which is super cool. Um, so lots to go over. So first, let's let's hit the, the big stuff. Um, you know how last week we were basically talking about, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that release date they said uh, that wasn't actually true. Yeah, the, the and, May one or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So apparently they went ahead and dropped the actual release dates uh, just in the last few days of a lot of different things. Uh, so let's let's hit the highlights and talk about them real fast. So yeah. first we have uh, Vecna Eve of Ruin. This is an adventure that is coming out on May 21st. And it is going to be uh, a an adventure for characters levels 10 through 20. Hallelujah. Praise <laughs> be. We finally have a like legitimate full on story adventure for tier three and four. This is a big deal. It's a really big deal. And hopefully it will sell well um, because this is, we need this official stuff for tier three and four. Like this Mm -hmm. is how people will learn how to play and how to DM at high levels. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is definitely going to be the ones where, where I'm going to be voting with my wallet. I'm going to get the, the digital and the physical bundle just to make sure that it's like, um, Hey, this is important. I kind of want more, more stuff like this. So I am a big fan of, of, you know, a higher end play, especially since my campaign's heading that way. And if this is going to help me kind of glean in on, you know, some, some tips, some tricks, um, or at least, you know, decent balancing and stuff. This is really kind of a book that I highly recommend anybody get just for that high level play. For sure. And it's uh, because we, we technically technically had dungeon of the mad mage that goes up to 20. Uh, But it's, it's incredibly disconnected. It's kind of just a dungeon crawl. Um, It's not, not what I would call a, a fully fleshed out adventure. That is, you know, really well done, easy to run type thing. Uh, it's great if you want a dungeon crawl, but it's not quite that this is an adventure made for 10 to 20 and starts at 10 too, which is a mm-hmm. really big deal, I think. Yeah. Um, but we are we are far enough along in 5e's lifespan that I think people are ready for this. I think like, so. People have been playing a while. They can They can jump in at 10. So basically... Uh, you get a fight Vecna, 30, over 30 new menacing monsters, uh, 32 new maps, uh, six iconic locations across the Forgotten Realms. So it's like going to be a realm hopping adventure. 
uh, Planescape, Spelljammer, Eberron, Ravenloft, Dragonlance, and Greyhawk. Mm-hmm. That'll be super interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if we get the extra like uh, lore stuff or fleshed out things for these different areas as well, since not all of these have their own dedicated books. Yeah, um, I, I think that that's actually one of the smartest things that they could have done because, um, you know, a lot of people might, you know, not exactly want to jump into Eberron because, you know, it's a it's a different world than something that they've been playing in or Dragonlands, which is, you know, vastly different than the Forgotten Realms. But this is going to give you like, you know, kind of good snippets and, and you know, a, a taste of everything so that you might be more prone to, you know, looking into Ravenloft or looking into Eberron. Um, and I think that that's kind of a really cool idea and it, it fits with the whole idea of, you know, what Vecna is trying to do in the story, which is just destroy everything. So, I mean, multiverse is kind of like, you know, the big hot thing for the last couple of years. So this is your chance to save the D and D multiverse. I think it's going to be a really cool adventure and I'm looking forward to reading it and seeing uh, everything that it's all about. Yeah, I agree. And this may be end up being our first taste of the revised uh, monsters as well, because mm-hmm. uh, I would be I would very much doubt um, that they would or I I guess I should rephrase. I would assume seeing as this is going to come out so close to the release of the 2024 books that this will likely have most of, if not all of the new monster design that we're going to be seeing when the new monster manual mm-hmm. drops. Yeah. I'd be very surprised if, if it wasn't the case. So we'll get to see kind of what they're doing. Potentially this might be a preview of what they're doing, especially in the high level uh, monster range. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested to see uh, what those look like as well. Definitely. Um, Next on June, so that's May 21st. Uh, next on June 18th, we're getting uh, the making of original Dungeons and Dragons 1970 to 1977. This is just kind of a history book. Um, so if you're interested in like how everything started, the origination, um, that will come out on June 18th. Uh, and then following that on July 16th, we have Quests from the Infinite Staircase, which is another anthology uh, book, which I've really enjoyed uh, their last few anthology book, you know, Radiant Citadel, um, Golden Vault. Uh, my uh, what's um, library? Uh, why? Why am I not? I'm just looking at you. I'm like, come on. You oh, can God. Do this. You, you got this. No, uh, candle keep candle keep. There you go. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Just took, just took a, a bit for, uh, the brain to move it up to the, to the mouth. Um, so I've really enjoyed their anthology adventures and this is, uh, anthologies for characters level one to 13, uh, which brings six classic D and D adventures to fifth edition. The infinite staircase leads to fantastic realms and is home to noble genie who recruits heroes to help, Fill wishes made throughout the multiverse. So that should be fun. Uh, the the anthologies are usually fun. They're great for usually, you know, one, two, three shots uh, or drop in uh, settings or adventure, little mini adventures for your own campaign. Mm-hmm. Especially if they're, I mean, it says, you know, since they're bringing the classic D&D adventures back in, I think this is going to be something cool where if they are taking some of those old ones that, you know, haven't been published or haven't been, you know, updated officially, 
um, you know, from previous editions, it could be something really cool to kind of, again, celebrate the 50th anniversary, take a look back at, you know, some of these previous adventures that, you know, people may not have ever seen or touched before. I mean, being a fourth and mostly fifth edition person, I know nothing of anything from one through three. So, you know, being able to kind of pull something from that, I think is kind of cool. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see which ones they end up uh, updating. Definitely. And bringing, bringing to the table for that. So that, like I said, that is July 16th. Then we have the big stuff starting. Uh, September 17th will be the release of the brand new 2024 Player's Handbook. Um, and interestingly, and not uncommonly, uh, they're, they're going to be staggering the release of the three core books for the, the 2024 update. So the first is going to be that Player's Handbook on September 17th. And this is going to be the, what all the Unearthed Arcana have been based on. We'll have the new player options, the updated classes, new spells, um, new backgrounds, all new magic items, all sorts of different things uh, and class options and whatnot inside that player's handbook. So uh, this one makes the most sense to come first. Mm -hmm. It's had the most playtesting by far. Um, with I think eight or nine under Arcanas uh, that have come out yeah, for this. Always been something that's been with the player handbook in those. Yeah. So it makes the most sense that this is coming out. It's nice to see this coming out towards the end of the year, which means they still have some amount of time to work on it before it has to go to print, which mm -hmm. is great. Uh, it's also great that I think they're staggering the releases and not trying to get it and the DMs, guide and the monster manual out all at the same time. Exactly. Because I think that would be, we haven't hardly seen, we've seen like one thing for the new dungeon masters guide and we've seen nothing of the new monster manual. So I would have been really kind of worried if they were trying to release all those at the same time, but looks like they're going to be staggered, which is a good thing. Uh, and toward a little more toward the end of the year, which we were also hoping for because the more time, honestly to cook the better exactly it's essentially giving us exactly what we were asking for in the last you know few episodes just that extra time uh you know you and i both said you know hopefully we're looking at fourth quarter and since they put so much work in the player's handbook you're right having that come out first makes the most sense it's still in fourth quarter so as you said um you know plenty of time to keep working on that and i am i'm excited for it and on top of that too because of the staggered release it gives people a chance to really kind of look at player stuff and 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 kind of get an idea of you know characters character development you know maybe even give uh, new players time to figure out like kind of how to play based on that before the the new dm's guide comes out which uh funnily enough is not in september it is actually going to be released november 12th uh that's what yeah. we're looking at for that so again you got uh you know a couple months between september and november you know a good two months are in there so that's uh the dungeon there the dm's guy can be you know um fixed perfected written created all that stuff so you have that staggered effect on it and well, i know i know one of the things they were talking about with the original dungeon master's guide was that they had very little time and very little resources exactly. to actually put into it. Um, so I'm really hoping they've been able to take their time with this one and get in kind of everything that they couldn't get in mm -hmm. for the original one. Uh, and I mean, it sounds like 
from what we've seen that that's what they're going to try and do. They're going to try and really streamline it, make it organized a lot better, make it make sense, put more systems in. There's going to be more magic items. There's going to be a lot more guiding for how to DM versus the kind of mismatch jumping all around that the current DMG is. Exactly. And the fact that they're putting a, a full blown like starter adventure in there as well, just really speaks to the, the, the goal that they have to, you know, really create and teach DMS how to do the job and, uh, you know, really help make it fun for everybody. So again, having that player's handbook out is great. It gives DMS a chance to kind of look through that, read it, understand it, know it. And then once the DM guide comes out, there you go. It's right there. Uh, you have an adventure kind of baked in. You kind of know a little bit of the rules, but this gives you that extra step that you need to start your game. Um, if, if you haven't yet for fifth edition, this new updated version, November 12th is definitely the day to start. And hopefully um, we'll start seeing some unearthed arcana for it and start seeing the previews starting to roll out for that, uh, given that they do have a few extra months uh, to work on that post the player's handbook mm-hmm. actually coming out. Uh, I would really like, I really hope they reveal more than just that, the, the bastion system basically. Yeah. Um, I think it would be great to get feedback, see people's feedback on more stuff and they still have several months worth probably of time uh, with that release date that they'll be able to release that and still provide actionable feedback if they need to. Um, and then finally, uh, the 2024 monster manual will release in 2025, (laughs) which honest, it's fine. It's fine. The, the, the whole deal of this thing is that backwards compatibility, um, it's, (laughs) you're not, you're, you're, you're going to be able to use both 2014 and 2024 side by side. So, you know, it's, again, I'd rather them wait and release it later and take the time they need to rather than trying to hit arbitrary deadlines. Honestly, if only the player's handbook made it in 2024, I would have been completely fine with it. Yeah, exactly. Like, and that, that wouldn't have been a big deal. But so the new monster manual is going to be coming out February 18th of 2025. Um, and they have said that uh, this is going to be the new monster design and going forward, um, they've already talked about tweaking uh, CR for, uh, I think, I think this might be in the Dungeon Master's Guide. Um, and there might have an Unearthed Arcana for it soon. We talked a little bit about that last last episode. Um, but then we'll finally get to see the, the fruit of that. Um, they said this is going to be one of their biggest DMGs or uh, Monster Manuals ever. Um, it's going to be absolutely massive. They're going to update a bunch of things. They're going to be adding in a lot of new, uh, high CR monsters as well, which again, gives me hope that we will see in the second half of five E, you know, quote unquote five E's lifespan, uh, more high level play and getting people more comfortable DMing and playing in that arena so that we can really mess with some of these cool high level monsters that people just don't get to see very often. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And if you are starting up and, uh, you know, want to use the new rule set and, uh, you know, new DMG, new player's handbook and everything, and you 
are like, oh man, I got to wait till February to really get all the new stuff. Remember that uh, Mordenkind's uh, Guide to Monsters of the Multiverse has a lot of these like kind of stat updates and everything already. So if you pick that up, you still have like a, a, a smaller monster manual you can kind of pull from and everything. So you don't have to worry about completely waiting for that. And then as we've said over and over again, of course, the 2014 monster manual is still available for use because everything should work uh, in a backwards compatible way, the monster just might not be as interesting or fun or uh, have as many cool things to do. And if so, listen to some of our monster fixers and that'll help you out with that. That's right. That's right. I, I'm really hoping that uh, a lot more of the new um, monsters in the monster manual will trend more towards that like MCDM flea mortals mm-hmm. type thing where they're just a lot more interesting, a lot more fun to run, a lot more stuff to do. Because the less I have to do as a DM to customize or make them more interesting, the better. Because that just saves me time. Like I would love to be able to run stuff out of the box and just have it work. Have it be fun, not only to play against, but to play as. Because as a DM, I want to have fun too. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be just doing hit, hit, you know, bite, claw, claw, (laughs) hail attack type thing. I want, I want to be doing more. So, uh, I'm hoping that they're really taking, they will really take a lot of that feedback into account. They're really looking at some of the things third parties are doing right now with their monster design and taking those types of things into account too. Definitely. And I mean, this is like huge tinfoil hat going on right now. So do not take this as this is actually happening because I'm making this up, but I think it would actually be amazing if one of the reasons that the monster manual is not coming out until February is because they're bringing in third party design like that and kind of adding it into the monster manual, which I mean, who knows? Like I said, that, that that's like way stratosphere. Don't believe it kind of stuff, but it'd be cool. I mean, they're bringing in third parties into D and D beyond. So why not? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, speaking of that, we've got some cool stuff on that. But 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 right before we talk about that, the other big thing, like they they talk about this, you know, this is a big 50th anniversary. Uh, they got cross promotions going on. But the one that I actually care about is the one with Lego. They're actually doing some official D&D Legos. Yes. Um, which is super, super cool. Yeah, there was the the Lego Ideas uh, Dungeons and Dragons kind of contest that that they put out where they, you know, had some, uh, you know, finalists, had everybody vote on it. And um, we got the it was like the Tower of the Mad Mage or or something like that. It's like kind of a castle structure with a dragon and a beholder and a couple things Um, that was chosen as the winner. And it's not the final design because Lego will go in, tweak, you know, kind of uh, make things more structurally make sense or sound, you know, kind of put their, their spin on it. So as of the recording of this, we haven't seen the actual set yet, but rumor is, uh, according to Bricktastic is that it's going to be being released in April. So I would absolutely love it if that's the actual release time, because my birthday is in April, but, uh, um, aside from that though, um, usually the, the, the big releases for Lego are on like the first of the month. So if this is coming, um, we should be hearing something from it soon. I would say in early May, if this is actually going to be coming, you know, April 1st, 
Um, that being said, that set's not the only thing that's being released. Uh, they're actually releasing a whole set, uh, line of minifigures that are specifically just Dungeons and Dragons. So they'll be coming in the blind packs that Lego has. Um, so they're doing, um, you know, uh, characters from like Forgotten Realms. So, you know, Drist is going to be in there um, most likely. I mean, he's kind of one of the, the biggest ones. Um, I would be, be surprised if like, um, I want to say Zod for Curse of Zod, but I'm like, that's not right. Strahd, Strahd is going to be in there. <laughs> uh, most Hail likely. Zod. Like I, I would think he would be, um, there hasn't been a list of characters, but um, you know, they're, they're really taking their IP and like kind of throwing a lot of really fun stuff at Lego and Lego is the perfect company to kind of have a partnership with because it's all about imagination. It's all about play. And I, this is like one of the biggest things I'm looking forward to this year, Lego wise. And as Ryan can attest, I have a lot of Lego on the shelves behind me. So it's, it's kind of my thing. Yeah. Well, Legos, Legos are very cool. And I think this, this IP with Legos is kind of a no brainer. Mm -hmm. exactly. Honestly, it, it makes, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Same as Pop-Tarts, um, Pop-Tarts. I don't know. <sighs> I find weird. it weird that they're partnering Pop Tarts, but okay, cool, whatever. Whatever, whatever. Um, <laughs> something that is super cool, um, like Lego, not like Pop Tarts. Uh, I mean, if Pop Tarts are your thing, that's fine. I don't care about DD themed Pop Tarts, but what I do care about is more third party content on yes. DD Beyond. Uh, and they actually just recently, uh, just a few days ago, revealed their next piece of third party content. Uh, it is from Hitpoint Press, the Humblewood campaign setting. Uh, and for those who don't know, Humblewood is kind of a uh, a little kind of a cutesy uh, quaint setting. It's like critters. Um, uh, and set in this mystical forest known as humblewood uh and so all the different playable races are like uh like animal folk mm -hmm. yeah there's different different sorts there's the bird folk which come in a bunch of different varieties you know uh, like owls ravens you know doves things like that and then we have the humble folk which is uh you know kind of more the, the furry animals so like uh foxes hedgehogs things like that so the fact that they're adding humblewood as another you know play area is really cool now, one of the big things about it, too, is that they kind of talked about, um, you know, kind of like a, a whole harmony uh, that that goes on with the forest and everything like that and talk about how it spreads into other worlds of Dungeons and Dragons. So even though this is a third party world, they're still kind of incorporating it into the whole multiverse area so that you can start taking these characters and stuff and, you know, putting them into other areas and aspects of the, the whole, you know, IP, which I think is actually really cool. And I am definitely going to be bringing some of these characters in and I know that I'm going to have players who will want to be playing as them too. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just great to see. And as we talked about many times, it's great to see more third party content, uh, coming in to D and D beyond, uh, this setting in particular has 10 new playable races, four new subclasses, uh, three new backgrounds, seven new feats, 10 new spells, new magic items, 50 new monsters, and uh, integrates with D&D Beyond Maps. There's 11 uh, different maps from the campaign setting that are in the new uh, map tool that is on D&D Beyond. As most of the new books, uh, especially the Vecna and Infinite Staircase, will all launch with maps support. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so it's, it's really starting to become a very decent ad hoc tabletop, like virtual tabletop service. It still doesn't have a ton of features and doesn't have all the bells and whistles yet, but for that, uh, owlbear rodeo, like just throw something yep, just up, drop it in and play it it's- easy to use. And, and with D and D beyond integration, if you're playing in that, uh, it's actually very usable now and just mm-hmm. keeps getting better. And it's really cool that they have kind of pledged to release the, as books come out, make sure that those maps are released in there. And then they're slowly working back through their back catalog, usually um, one to three every month or two, uh, getting those new maps in uh, from those books that you've already bought. So exactly. Just keep it coming. Keep the third party content coming. Let's see. Let's see some Cobalt Press. Let's see some MCDM. Let's let's see more more Ghostfire stuff. Like there's just so many good third parties out there. Well, I what I really want to see is I want to see them start to do uh, the full the the books with full custom classes. Yes. That would be really cool. Um, I know that's the things that they would have to worry most about is uh, balance, of course, but they also have problems balancing their own classes sometimes. True. I mean, balance, you. <laughs> balance, balance is, you know, balance is kind of whatever. That's that's kind of on a per game per, you know, uh, DM basis in a lot of ways. And obviously you most of the third party content they've added so far have all been fairly large. Uh, so most of these publishers have their own play testing mm-hmm, and exactly. such that they do that they go through. Um, but I, I'm sure it's more of a back end thing. Um, but I, I would love to see that because that would potentially then open up creating custom classes within the homebrew, which, which is something people great. have asked for, for a really long time. I know it's definitely more complex than just creating a subclass, mm-hmm. obviously, but um, I'm hoping that that's something that's on the roadmap and something that we will get because there's a ton of really cool classes that uh, third parties have created. There's a ton of play space and design space within the classes still like that's that's obvious just from I've played several custom classes that third parties have made. They're great. They don't step on the toes mm-hmm. of the official classes. So there's still a ton of design and play space in there. And I'm really hoping we see that. And I'm really hoping we see um, in the subsequent, you know, 20 in 2025, 2026, the rules books that come out to supplement things. I'm hoping we see full new class drops. Yeah. Considering there's or the second decade of five E. Yeah. There's plenty of other um, classes that are from previous editions that, you know, are nowhere to be seen like the scion, you know, psionic abilities and everything um, have been part of D and D for quite a long while, but you know, so far we don't have any sort of scion in, in the game itself. Um, Previously, I don't know if necromancer was like a specific class by itself. I know that you can do a lot of that with a cleric now, um, but maybe having something to go full, full blown necromancer would be kind of cool. I mean, there, there's, there's a bunch of different things you can kind of pull from and uh, incorporate in just to, you know, kind of refresh some things and, you know, give more option out there for players because 
sometimes, you know, if you're playing a lot of one shots, you've had a taste of like a lot of different subclasses and classes and you have an idea of what you like, but being able to kind of jump in and try something new is always exciting. And that's one thing that I always enjoy doing. It's like, you know, I've never played this class. I'm going to do this. Don't know what kind of subclass I'm doing yet. Oh, this sounds really interesting. Great. Uh, although I still won't play warlock aside from that. Um, I'm happy to try pretty much everything. Yeah, I'm 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 really hoping we see more. They're they're doing a lot to categorizing the classes in this 2024 release, which makes me hopeful mm -hmm. because all the new language is towards the uh like the specialization. Yes. Right. Um, not necessarily class specific. So that really gives them what they need to be able to add a new class, classify it in one of those specializations and then anything with that tag still makes sense and still applies to them without them having to redo an entire book, exactly. which is really the big deal. And they, since they've done that, I feel like, I feel like that's, that's them opening up that design space for themselves if they want to. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with you. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. The only thing that's, is still kind of just by itself again. It's just still the artificer. I just, I still think it's funny that it's stuck in Tasha's and staying there. And yeah, last, last we've heard yeah. it, it's not, it doesn't sound like it's going to be in the player's handbook. New players. They specifically is, said it's staying in Tasha, which is very surprising to me. I, I feel like this would be the perfect time to just pull it into the base game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And any sort of revamping that might need to happen would be perfect for this because, you know, I, I would love to see it. I know um, a couple of people who are like artificer is like their dream class. This is what they want. This is what they tend to Super just fun. lean towards. So Super fun. yeah. And I mean, yes, it is in Tasha's. It is still there. It's still available and everything, but having it kind of get a second look at like every other class, I think would be very beneficial for it. Yeah. I think it's been out long enough that it should be integrated into the base book, but at least it doesn't sound like it is, which yeah. is, which is a shame. So, well, I guess we'll, we'll see what they, what they end up doing. We could be there. pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I hope so. I Me hope too. so. Um, all right. There's a lot of news, a lot of release dates, a lot <laughs> yes. of stuff to look forward to. Um, so like I said, keep, keep the third party stuff coming. I'm, I'm a huge fan uh, that they keep, they're finally starting to open that up. That's a, it's a really big deal um, into making that more accessible for both third parties and allowing you to have use that ease of ease of access through D&D uh, Beyond's nice interface for character building and all that sort of thing. Definitely. All right. So we told you we'd talk about dragons. So we're going to talk about dragons specifically black dragons. Um, yeah. we have not talked about black dragons yet, uh, and they're super interesting. Um, so Ben, I'm going to, I'm going to hand it over to you to, to kick off our, our big old black dragon discussion as we kind of deep dive into these really interesting dragons. Okay. Um, well, first of all, black dragons are black. Who'd have thought, um, you know, they're part of the chromatic dragons, of course. And, um, as far as chromatic dragons go in general, they're considered evil. Of course, you know, nature versus nurture, all that fun stuff. But, um, 
black dragons for the most part tend to be like the most sadistic, the most evil ones. And in fact, one of their nicknames is a skull dragon. And that's just because of the, the complete, like, you know, body shape and everything. The skull on them is very distinct and sharp and has like sunken in eyes and is just really scary looking and stuff. And the horns that they have, instead of, you know, kind of sticking up, sticking out, you'll be able to just completely easily identify a black dragon by its horns because they are uh, curved forward and usually down. So big, big thing. You know, it's, it's, it's a good thing. Use that as like a scary thing, you know, coming out of the darkness towards your, your players or whatever. Could be great. <laughs> Anyways, um, one of the things about black dragons is, like I said, they are one of the most evil. And that's because they actually enjoy suffering, not themselves, but enjoy, you know, inflicting pain on others, inflicting suffering. And it kind of is part of their whole vibe. Um, you know, they look at the world. They don't see happy, good, fun things. They just completely dwell in, in, in are full of joy. Anytime they, you know, have uh, wildlife that's suffering adventurers that are suffering, um, the worlds that are suffering, you know, they love, they love to outlive and see like decay fall upon the world around them. And because of this, their main goal is to always stay alive. They want to outlive everything that's going on. So if your adventurers are actually going to be going up against a black dragon and fighting him, if it knows it's definitely not going to to win the fight, it will never stay and fight to the death unless it knows that like, say you have a wizard or something else that's trying to dominate it to actually control it and take away its freedom. That's the only time it'll fight to its death. Otherwise it gets out of Dodge. It'll even leave its lair. If like a, a, a more powerful dragon moves into the area or anything, it, it prefers to just get out of there, not fight and just continue living and wait for something else to die before it'll come back in. It's food is really gross and interesting. Um, everything, everything about, about it's just general like habitat and yeah. whatnot is, is kind of yuck. Yeah. It, it basically, I mean, it, it, it loves it. Well, it loves it eats fish and everything, but that's because the places that it resides in are like, you know, fetid swamps and, you know, wetlands and stuff that are just like gross and full of decay and, just everything that's kind of going on around that. In fact, if a, a, a dragon kills a human or an adventure or something like that, they're not going to eat it right away. Or even, you know, like a, you know, a, a decent, you know, meaty meal or something, they're going to leave it out and let it just kind of fester and rot and, you know, to season their food because that's how they like it, which is just so gross. I mean, they'll eat a, a fly ridden corpse that's been sitting out for three days ver compared to like a, a bull that just died right in front of them. It is just what they're going for. So because of this kind of stuff, like they usually house themselves in again, like kind of swamplands caves that might be associated with that. Or because they like the suffering, they'll go to like, you know, a, a destroyed castle that was maybe like the center of an empire or something, knowing what happened there to, you know, get the people out of power, to have the castle be abandoned because they, they thrive and live on that suffering of others. So they know, oh, there had to be a slaughter for this thing to, to fall apart. So they'll live there. And 
their layers are usually made up of, uh, you know, pools of acid. There's things decaying all around. I mean, it's, it's just in general, a huge, huge, nasty mess. I mean, you don't want to go around it. Um, on top of that too, uh, you know, every dragon's layer kind of has, uh, effects that range, you know, regionally around and, uh, with a, a black dragon, again, you're looking at more like fetid swamps and everything's kind of sprouting up. Um, wildlife will just grow super thick and dense so that nothing can get in. And it is just very much affected by a black dragon. In fact, when the dragon dies, the wildlife still stays fully dense and everything while the swamps will slowly kind of, you know, heal over time. Um, as for liking other dragons or, you know, rearing their young or anything like that, black dragons definitely don't ever work with anything else. They absolutely hate well, they hate life. They hate everything. Yeah, um, they're, they're sneaky. They're yeah. sneaky. They're ambushy. They're not like directly confrontational and they're horrible parents. Yes. So much so that they abandon their eggs, but the eggs are protected because they're abandoned in a pool of acid. So they're good. <laughs> Probably pretty good. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> yeah. Not going to be winning any parent of the year awards, though. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, so as for, uh, you know, like the, the dragon self stat wise, you know, you're looking at, you know, kind of normal dragony stuff. Um, you've got the, you know, tail attack, bite, the multi attack, um, you know, frightful presence. Um, one big difference here, though, is that um, their breath weapon is is an acid breath. You know, one of the reasons why they have the acid pools around and everything. And like that, you know, oh, acid breath, that's kind of freaky. But like if you've seen the first episode of season two of, you know, the legend of Vox Machina, you know what an acidic breath can really do. And I think, I think that's one of the, and if you haven't watched it, you, you should season two, especially mm-hmm. I, I, I like season two a lot better even than season one. Um, and season one was decent, but yeah, season two really, I thought kicked it up a notch, oh, definitely. but it really, they did a great job showcasing like how, you should honestly how you should play a dragon and mm-hmm. how you should, like the look and describing it and just seeing what the different things will actually do. And I thought it was extremely well done and it's great visual and kind of great learning for your own games. If you're running these dragons. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're cruel, they're brutal, um, if they have any sort of like, uh, you know, servants and stuff as some dragons do, they start taking on those cruel tendencies as well. So like kobolds are, you know, dragon worshipers a lot of the time, but, uh, when it comes to black dragons, like, you know, they're kind of just vermin in a black dragons, you know, layer or region and stuff. And they'll start taking on those cruel traits. So like if they capture an adventurer and stuff, they'll, you know, like poke and prod and torture them and stuff until before they actually kill them and then, you know, let them rot and then feed him to the dragon and, and different things like that. So the presence of the black dragon just really does just permeate through the entire land all around it and just kind of, you know, really destroy anything good about it. Yeah, and and like you were saying, mechanically playing a bra- black dragon, um, it's it's a lot of the same strategies as most of the dragons. Mm-hmm. With blacks, they're gonna want to ambush. They're mostly like they're gonna want to fight in their lair as much as possible. As Ben said before, they will very rarely fight to the death if if they can help it. 
Um, as far as dragon statistics go, obviously they're little boring. Um, <laughs> give them spell casting. There's tons of really cool acid type spells. Give it to them as as let them cast it as a legendary action or two. Mm-hmm. Um, give them some spell casting. Give them some acid spell casting. There's some really cool stuff uh, spells that you can do with that. Um, as well as adults and ancients, obviously they have layer actions as well. Mm-hmm. If you want to, if you want to make things interesting, give it to the littler ones too. Tone them down a bit. It makes fights much more interesting and much more dynamic. Like uh, their layer actions, pools of water that the dragon can see within 120 feet surge outward in a grasping tide. Any creatures on the ground within 20 feet of such a pool have to succeed on a strength saving throw or be pulled up to 20 feet into the water, not prone. That's pretty cool. That's I love the movement based stuff um, being able to displace on the battlefield uh, swarms of insects uh, in a 20 foot radius uh, within 120 feet. The cloud spreads around corners, remains until the dragon dismisses it. Uh, it uh, obscures um, it. You have to take a con save or take piercing damage. Um, that's that's super cool. That's another really thing to move around. Uh, magical darkness uh, can come from the dragon itself, uh, which is also really cool if you want to mess up those with dark vision. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unless you got a warlock with like devil sight or something like that, uh, that can be another really interesting thing to to make the battlefield more dynamic. So there's there's a lot you can do. Uh, I think the layer actions for for the dra- this the black dragon specifically are are very well done and very interesting. And will add a lot to your your combat encounter. And if you kind of supplement that with a few extra things for the Black Dragon itself, you'll have a very uh, dynamic, fun, interesting uh, encounter. Yeah, and even um, uh, on the on D and D Beyond uh, from Fizzbins, there's like additional layer actions that they've been given as well, like a Filth Burst. Um, choose to point in the ground and then just, you know, watery filth just erupts from, from the center of that. Um, there's grasping muck, which tentacles of, of muck just kind of reach out and grasp onto you. Um, and then of course, noxious gas, you're in a swamp that totally makes sense that there'd be gas, like kind of erupting from points here and there. So th- yeah, there, there's a lot to do. And the, the idea of uh, any sort of extra theming that you want to do with like sickness and, and rot and acid, um, you're pretty much going to hit it out of the park when it comes to a black dragon, because that is, you know, their entire deal of just, you know, torture, pain, suffering. So anything that can like prolong it, you know, and, and make something suffer before it dies is perfect for a black dragon. So have you ever run a black dragon before, Ben? No, I'm not that evil. Uh, I'm working on it, though. Um, <laughs> I, After kind of going through this, I did realize a perfect place for where one lives in my world. So we'll see what happens with that. Ah, oh, that's that's great. I I actually ran um, a young black dragon uh, in my third, my third, third campaign. Um that took place on the jungle continent. Uh, it was uh, it, it lived in the in this big jungle swamp area um, and it had um, basically disguised itself as this big black knoll 
and had kind of taken over this Knoll tribe who had taken over this temple of the local uh, snake people denizens. Um, I, I it's a it's a custom uh, species in my campaign world. They're called mm-hmm. Cobran, and my <laughs> my players uh, lovingly refer to them as Cobros. <laughs> <laughs> Because they actually ended up befriending them a lot and they helped them get this temple back. But it was a really fun surprise when uh, this big old black knoll turned into a young black dragon uh, and revealed itself in this temple fight. And it was a uh, super, super fun. But it and it actually when it got it was a it was a rough fight. But when it got hurt enough, it ran. It didn't stay. Mm-hmm. It didn't stay. And they tried to finish it off and they couldn't. Uh, so it came back later once or twice um, before they finally were able to to finish it off. But it was uh, it was really fun and uh, incorporated a lot of those swamp elements, the 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 follower minion type things, the the rotting stuff, the the cool layer action mm-hmm. uh, type stuff uh, in the temple. So yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, and I highly recommend if you're looking for that. A sneaky, you know, uh, ambush kind of uh, kind of play to really surprise your characters, uh, especially if they're in that jungle swamp type of atmosphere. It's a it's a really fun encounter. Sounds like it. Wow. Yeah. So uh, as always, uh, horrible monsters and things have, you know, really uh, driven my imagination. And I know where one lives in my world now. So. Good luck to my players. See if you run across it. Yeah. And if you have any really cool uh, black dragon stories that either you ran or that you encountered, we would love to hear those. Uh, So, you know, hit us up on discord, hit us up on Twitter, blue sky, hit us up in our email at Dean discussions at gmail.com. We would love to hear and, and read off and react to those stories as well. Definitely. All right, Ben, uh, that pretty much uh, will wrap up our episode for the day. Uh, But first, we have a little shout out, a little community shout out that you found that uh, we wanted to highlight as well. Um, So there's a a YouTube channel that I have kind of fallen in love with just because uh, some of the first videos I ever saw of theirs were just silly and stupid and being a huge world of Warcraft player. I'm like, Oh, this is pretty funny. Um, so if you ever heard of uh, Epic NPC man, um, it's basically about a, a NPC who has sentience in a video game and a bunch of different stories and stuff kind of branched off of that. But from there, I saw that they did other things as well. Like, uh, they have skits and, and shows or, um, you know, uh, shorts about uh, working at a, a tech store um, and a couple other things uh, like there's PUBG logic, uh, which those are absolutely hysterical, but they started playing Dungeons and Dragons and there's an entirely different channel for that, which is uh, Viva La Dirt League D&D. But what I want to talk about is their main channel, just Viva La Dirt League. And they started um, last year shorts called D&D logic which are absolutely hysterical. They're, you know, shorts of like, you know, just D and D characters kind of running around doing stuff. And then some of the weird logical things that have, or that, you know, break logic in game. Like 
I only have one hit point. We just got out of battle. I should be on my de on death's door just lying here, but I can stand and run around and do everything possible because I'm, I'm still up versus the person who has 42 hit points who is in the same exact boat. Um, not the best or uh, way to describe the short, but it's really funny. Anyways, uh, they started season two. Definitely check it out. Um, we're going to have a link to the playlist that has all the different episodes, starting with like their trailer and uh, definitely check them out. It's, it's a lot of fun. Viva La Dirt League and um, check out some of their other videos too. I'm just a fan. Has yeah, they've got, some pretty, them. <laughs> they've got some pretty funny ones. They got some pretty funny ones for sure. Yeah. The, the newest one is just, you don't think about things and, until you have that one player that just kind of does. So we'll just leave it at that. And, and this is a new series they're doing. Yeah, this is season two. The um, it, it's kind of neat because they're actually putting the the dungeon master in with them in the campaign. So it, like they're all dressed up in full armor and everything. Then there's just this dude holding a book with them, kind of like telling him things that are going on and kind of instructing him and stuff. So it's a uh, um, season two or whatever is just you know slightly different, but still just as good as the first one. That's awesome. I'm I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, I'm gonna check that out because I haven't watched uh I haven't watched that one yet. Oh, so yeah. I'm definitely going to, to check that out for sure. They're good. D highly recommended. Awesome. Well, we will of course have a link to that uh in the show notes at dndiscussions.com. Um Ben, have you have you gotten to start your campaign back up yet? No, we still haven't. Um, oh, scheduling and yeah, it's weekends have been it's really rough. busy January through February. So uh, I just need to dial in on when that first session is going to be. But March is also very busy as well. So it's going to be one of those tough things of really finding it and making sure that everyone's ready. But uh, we're, we're, we're working at it. Well, I hope you are able to start back up again soon. Me too. Because I know you miss it. Oh my gosh, do I miss it? Yeah. I mean, look, I just um, figured out where Black <laughs> Dragon lives. <laughs> Obviously, I yeah. Miss it. Seriously, <laughs> yeah. Got yeah. The, writing in your uh, up, constantly updating your documents. Mm -hmm. Oh, I am uh, definitely. In fact, oh, there's so many different things that have been added since we had to stop for my medical issues. So yeah. Um, but, uh, you, on the other hand, you have been able to play, uh, were you able to, uh, get in since last session or since last episode? Yes. Yes. Uh, we didn't get a play, um, on our scheduled, uh, time last, last Friday, uh, just because of, uh, scheduled because adult things, uh, and you know, it's, that's the, it's the hardest boss. It's the hardest boss. It truly uh, is. but the, the session before that was actually really good. Um, no combat, hardly any dice rolls. Actually, it was a very uh, role play oriented session. Uh, one of my favorite types of sessions, honestly, where we jumped around between characters um, when they weren't together. And one of the things I really like about this current campaign is that right now uh, and for probably the foreseeable future, at least it's taking place in a giant city. And so it's very different from a lot of the stuff I've run because the, the characters aren't necessarily in a constant travel mode. They're not like constantly moving around to a bunch of new locations or anything. They have a home base. They all have their own homes. They all have their own friends. They all have their own work. They all have their own contacts. Like 
this is they all are integrated into the city and many of them have lived there for a very long time if not their whole lives so it's it's a very different vibe in a lot of ways because after the second session when we had the fight they went back to their house right they yeah. they slept then they went to to work they went to check on things they went to to you know deal with their PTSD of having killed the first thing they've ever like killed before. Um, it's, it was a really, it's a really different style than I've been able to run before. And I, I love, I love the vibe. It's, it's really fun and being able to use all these different characters, uh, and NPCs that the players have crafted for me. And I've been able to integrate into the world proper as their own things and just really fleshing this area out has been so much fun. Uh, and they all just did such a great job. So we just, I did a hop around <clears throat> you just, and it, it, and we might talk about this some more, um, like the vignette type stuff yeah. in a different episode, but, uh, it, it's a, it's really a careful balance making sure that everyone gets their moment, but not spending too long in one place. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so I think we were able to do it really well. Um, and it was a ton of fun. There was a lot of stuff learned, uh, some cool backstory stuff that got to start, start rolling. Um, and then we kind of are on the precipice, uh, at the end of the session, they were all back together working towards that goal of finding these, these kidnapped people. So, I'm very excited uh, once we're able to get together again, hopefully in a, in a week or two and uh, continue that on. That sounds really cool. And as a DM, there's something I really want to say, but I don't want to stress your players. So I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you about it after we're done recording. <laughs> again, your DM gets you that DM friend. Yes. Who's not in your game so that you can swap stuff. It's and talk important. about all the things <laughs> that you want to talk about that you can't talk to any of your players about. Mm -hmm. And with that, I think we will call this an episode. Uh, so thank you so much, Ben, for chatting. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Uh, before we go, though, as always, Ben, why don't you tell everybody where we can be reached? You bet. Um, if you like this episode and you want to listen to our 104 other episodes, uh, you can always go to tndiscussions.com. You'll find everything there. And uh, currently, as far as I know of, every other episode is still available on every, uh, you know, podcast player of your choice. I know sometimes once you start getting into like the hundreds, you have to start looking at, OK, well, how many episodes are actually available on certain devices or, or platforms and stuff, but I think we're still good for, for the time being. Um, that being said though, uh, if you would like to talk to us or reach out about your black dragon stories or, uh, you know, something that you're planning on doing for the 50th anniversary of D and D, you can always email us, send those to dndiscussions at gmail.com. And, uh, we love reading them. Uh, and we do respond in time. We'd like to give each other time to actually read them first before we just, reply and delete them or file them away or whatever. Um, but uh, send those in. We love hearing from you. 
On top of that, you can follow us on Blue Sky, which is now available and open to everybody. You don't need an invite code anymore. So if you are joining, uh, make sure that one of your first follows is Dean Discussions, because that's us. Uh, if you're looking for Ryan himself, you can find him. He is at TBKZord, and I am at Ben Bumhofer. Uh, now, uh, aside from that, I do recommend that you listen to uh, another show I'm on called Plus Five to Hit. Uh, it is a Dungeons and, Dra- Dungeons and Dragons actual play, uh, and we are going through Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, but on this newest episode that's going to be released, um, there is quite a bit of homebrew backstory being added to the story, and it is uh, opening up to definitely be much more so than just Rhyme of the Frostman. So once we actually finish with that module, there's going to be plenty more going on. So uh, check that out. Plus five to hits. Uh, we'd love to, uh, you know, have people listen because we have a lot of fun playing. So and that's about it. Um, as for the show again, dndiscussions.com. Find everything you want there. And uh, everybody, thank you very much for listening. It's always a pleasure talking to you, Ryan. Thank you. And uh, everybody else, Until next time, make sure to roll high and be good to each other. Take care, and we'll see you soon.